Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I have got a wonderful show for you today. Looking forward to uh, spending a little time with my friend and colleague, Patrick Albanese, who helps me get the week started on a lighter note. A merry heart is always like good medicine. Patrick lives in the great state of Iowa in the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Like you don't already know that. Patrick, hey. Oh, I'm already on. I thought you were going to talk about more stuff coming up. Well, I was going to, then I thought, let's get to the point, because I want to bring up something that the Bible talks about. It's in Proverbs, and it's a list of things that the Lord hates, and seven that are, are an abomination to him. And the first one listed is haughty eyes. Now, the word haughty, <laughs> the word haughty comes from an old Anglo-French word, hot. H-A-U-T, which means high, and which comes from the Latin word altus, from where we get our word altitude, altitude. So we put that together, and we find that haughty eyes are the kind of eyes that look down at other people, as, as if the one looking down is higher up than others. And that's what God doesn't like, our haughty eyes. Well, we, we used to call those people snooty. <laughs> I think so, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, 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 like the, I like the word haughty. Seven things the Lord finds detestable. Uh, you, this is an amazing thing when you think about it. Because uh, he's much more restrained than I am. I find a lot more than seven things detestable. But his list is, his is pretty specific. Yeah. Uh, so the haughty, the haughty eyes looking, well, I get that though. I mean, did you ever think you had haughty eyes? When you read that in the past, did you ever think, what does that mean? I don't know if I have haughty eyes. What are haughty eyes? The more you learn about it, you think haughty is something where we become the center of our universe and everything revolves around us. That's a person yes. with haughty eyes. Uh, right. And, and as you know, um, I I don't like to look down on, on other people. And I think that makes me better than them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does. I'm sure, I'm sure it does. But but no, no, it's it's uh how many times in any given day do you catch yourself uh I, I can certainly do it, you know. I mean, I might get behind a, you know, a 1986 Buick LeSabre and say, "Oh, one of those guys." <laughs> and I'll say, "Here I go again." Just because it's an 86 Buick LeSabre. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I I I assume that uh, this car will not be going that fast and uh you know, it, it's funny you, you say I'm making all these assumptions about this driver based on the vehicle they're driving. And I say, "Look at you." Right. Are you looking down on this person based on their vehicle? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the only vehicle they can afford. Maybe actually, if I could get a hold of an 86 Buick LeSabre, I would probably snag it up because uh we had one in the family. Yeah, that's a fine car. It w and it would be a it would be like this wonderful trip down memory lane every time I got behind the wheel of the '86 Buick LeSabre. Yeah, and not to mention that LeSabre would ha have a an ignition key and a trunk key, which was round, so so you could tell the two apart, right even in the dark. In the dark. Yeah, right. Well, you didn't have a light on your keychain. Oh, I hadn't I invented those yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> I always love that too. It's, it's like, well, you know, the, the, we put a separate type of lock on the trunk because while well, you might keep something valuable there, like a spare tire. Yeah. Do you remember if you if you if you gave your car to a valet parker, they'd say never give him the trunk key. Never. What was in right. that trunk? You, Golf clubs? What? I have no idea. Potting soil. Say, let, yeah. Let me make sure I got this figured out correctly. Here are the keys to my car. You can take the whole thing. <laughs> Just stay out of the trunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, of course, what do they do? They go and invent that button inside the glove box that opens the trunk. So it's, you're, you're not talking what? about the pop the trunk button, are you? That was inside the James Bond glove compartment? Yes. Yeah, that didn't pull up the bulletproof shield. It just opened the trunk is yeah. all it did. I think like Cadillacs, that, that was a Cadillac feature. I think it was. Uh, you could, you, pop, know, you pop, could pop the trunk. From inside. The, they, they hadn't invented the button that you push on the key yet. Right. But you could just open that glove box, push a button, and the trunk would open. Like, wow. I know. That's Or I could just walk up to the car and open it with that key. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know how we got off on this Buchla Sabre thing, but it was interesting to me. Yeah. Let's get back to yeah. haughtiness because yes. uh, haughtiness precedes destruction. And the New Testament is very clear on the dangers of arrogance and haughtiness and pride. And, and God actively opposes the proud. We learn about that in, uh, in James chapter 4 and in 1 Peter. So, and none of us are are ever going to be off the hook when it comes to pride. So uh, that's the way you get yeah. brought down. It starts with haughty eyes, and which is a sense of pride. And next thing you know, uh, down you come. Destruction. Well, well, and I, wouldn't you say that you know? There's often been you know civilizations, great ones, that have fallen apart when they they let's say they become so powerful, and then there are some people in positions that say. I know better than all of you how all of you should live your life. And so you're going to do it the way I say. And in this attempt to control people because you felt you were better to them, it all fell apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's preceded the fall of every civilization, that, that sense of superiority, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And Scripture talks That's, about God giving grace to the humble. Um, so it's that humility in the heart of a person but I, I think God is God sees and God, that gets God's attention, um, and I think humility mm-hmm. also is going to help us with our own personal day to day interactions and the way we conduct ourselves with people if we come from a spirit of humility, which is not always easy to do. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough one, and isn't it's one of those kind of I don't think call that a catch twenty two. But uh, uh, it's as soon as you get it, you lose it because you could celebrate and like look at look at this amazing level of humility I've accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Just by that, you know, I mean, if you take pride in the fact that you say, "I think I'm really doing this humble, this humility thing really well," you say, "I just." Just blew it. I just ev- I just blew it. I, yeah. It just evaporated in in my celebratory stance on how great I was at being humble. Mm-hmm. Kind so of crazy. Patrick Albanese is my my guest, and Patrick, would, when we are haughty and we become, let's say, the center of the universe, and let's just say we want everything to kind of revolve around us, if if you're thinking that way about yourself, then you can probably rest assured there's problems. 
Yeah. But uh, can you call people haughty anymore? No, I don't or, think so. I haven't heard that yeah, word I, used in conversation in a long, long time. Yeah, and people might misunderstand it then. They might say, I don't even know what that means, but I think I've been insulted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you ever kind of yeah. know what haughty meant when, when you would read that or when you hear about don't have haughty eyes? Did you know right away? I did not know right away okay. when I would read don't have haughty eyes. Uh, I, I mean, I remember hoity-toity, which also <laughs> had, you know, didn't grandma say hoity-toity? I remember hoity-toity. Yeah, hoity-toity. That, do, I'd do like you know to what see that one come back. Well, that way it's kind of similar, isn't it? Kind of prideful, kind of a little bit yeah. full of themselves, hoity-toity. Above it all? Yeah. You know, this little hoity-toity affair of, you know, with the 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 the... Uh, what's the fancy fish food they serve? You know, caviar. Caviar. <laughs> that lets you know just how often I eat caviar. Uh huh. Yeah. So never. Yeah. The other thing uh, of the six, there are seven that the Lord hates is a lying tongue. I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time dissecting that one. That one's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. There's no uh, really parsing those words, are there? No. Yeah. It's not that hard to describe a lie. It's the opposite of the truth. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, that's a, you know, it's funny how, you know, I don't know if you, do you get into the, the minutia of it? You know, of, of, do you say, well, is it uh, truly a lie if I say, um, you know, you did a great job when you didn't do a great job? <laughs> yeah. That, uh, yeah. Oh, that's, God. that's a good question. You know, were you trying to encourage somebody and try to give them the benefit of the doubt or what? Right. I mean, I used to know entertainers that had come up with phrases that they could say to somebody so that they wouldn't have to tell them the truth that the performance they had just seen was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, because they, they couldn't have it, they didn't have it in themselves. They, just, they didn't want to lie. But they also realize, well, I'm going to meet this person after the show, and they're going to want some feedback. And so how do I let them know that I did, in fact, see the show <laughs> without letting them know that I didn't like it? Mm -hmm. And so they would come up with those phrases like, oh, you should have seen it from where I was. I mean, the people around me, their <laughs> eyes, I, they said it all. You yeah. know? <laughs> uh, and I guess... I, I don't know. I don't think that's a lie, but uh, it, it might. it's more of a lie if you said you were great when you weren't. Yeah. All right, Patrick, let's uh, take a little break from the action. And then when we come back, I want to chat a little bit about the idea of missing the mark, and which is we, mm -hmm. what we call sin. It's the Hebrew word kata. And I think you learned about that word 40 years ago when you were I involved did. in New Age. I want to hear about that. We'll be right back with Patrick yeah. Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours... 
confirming with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. If you just joined me, thank you for doing that. It's always glad to have you uh, as a listener and friend and, and just love everyone at Faith Radio that tunes into the show. And I hope you find this little segment with my friend Patrick, a time of refreshing and refreshment. Um, although we do talk about things that are sometimes challenging, like we're going to talk right now, continue to talk about sin. And we're going to talk mm. about the Hebrew word kata, K-H-A-T-A, which is commonly translated as sin. And that just means that you've, you've failed or you've missed the goal. Not necessarily it's a word about good and bad behavior. It's more a bigger picture. God creates us, and, and the goal of loving God, and when we seem to ignore his instruction, is we will choose badly when it comes to our relationships with God and with each other. Yeah. I think you summed it up right there. I tried to. I tried to you be could concise. put that on a radio show. You could definitely no, do. no, I'm not doing that. All right. Well, think about it. Yeah. So kata. Yeah. K h a t a. It's the Hebrew word. Uh, means to miss the goal, miss the mark. I think it comes from the ancient Greek. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that. But that, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds pretty smart, yeah. though, doesn't it? It does sound smart. I might have missed the mark on that one. No. Uh, when, uh, no, but uh, I. You had mentioned, you know, 40 years ago uh, when I was in the New Age religion, they often talked about, you know, sin was more about missing the mark. Mm -hmm. They would always talk about, oh, it's a, it's an archery term. It's an archery term from the ancient Greek. Okay. I, I mean, they did the Olympics, right? So I guess they might as well have done the archery too. But um, uh, Bacato meant to miss the mark and that uh, um, it's kind of interesting you bring that up. And I think, well, you know, the the New Age uh, religions got a couple of things right. They always they always borrowed some good stuff, mm -hmm. and they kind of they kind of went off after that, and and you know certainly missed the mark by a lot in some areas. But mm -hmm. uh, I just I I uh, had always kind of taken that to heart. So it's kind of neat to hear that it's like, well, that's right. So what are we supposed to do with this newfound information? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Mr. Albanese. If you yes. are going to make a choice, uh, oftentimes you're going to look at what is going to best suit yourself. So what's best for me? And when you choose not to love one another as God loves uh, everyone, and that is when I think the biggest temptation is to make a choice that is self-serving. And I think that's where we can start to miss the mark. Yeah. Don't they, isn't there an acronym for that? Is it WIFM? What's in it for me? I did. I've not heard that before. Well, we should, we could get it started with them. What <laughs> what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know it's funny. Uh, we we often don't think about not not, not us because you and I would not make this mistake. But <laughs> I remember a couple of years back uh, doing some temporary work because I was between unemployments, so to speak. <laughs> mm -hmm. And. Uh, so I'm working with people that were much younger than me, you know, 30 some odd years and they were fresh out of college. And at the orientation, all they could talk about is, well, now how quickly before I can get, um, you know, uh, promoted, 
It's like, well, we'll get to that in a minute, but first let's show you how to clock in on the computer. Because, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if you if you can't clock in, you can't get paid. And right. you're probably not going to want to. But uh, people were more obsessed of, with, you know, you know, what's in this job for me instead of what can I contribute to the job? Uh, and I, I wonder if somebody were to apply for employment these days, if they walked in with the, Hey, I think that's great. You got the, you know, this pay and these, uh, compensation, you know, all these neat, neat little benefits. Um, here's what I hope that I can bring to this place. Uh, you know, I, 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 if you were the boss, wouldn't you say that's the person I want, but we, we have kind of, We've we've skewed it, haven't we? Mm-hmm. We walk around all day long going, well, what is in it for me? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, do you put extra foam on your latte? I'm not coming there unless you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You want to earn you want to earn my business? Yeah, extra foam on the latte. Yeah. So wow, the Hebrew biblical authors would you know they they would oftentimes look at some of the r- relational comp- consequences of sin with a word like pesha. P-E-S-H-A, which is translated as transgression, but it really, I think, refers in a way to the to the way people will violate trust with each other. So when there's been a, a loss of trust with somebody or a betrayal of some kind, that would be a, a pesha. And you know, you've mm. got uh, you've got relational issues then, and we're not operating in in God's beautiful kingdom with loving him and loving one another. And I think that that in a big way is missing the mark that God talks about when it comes to sin. It's just not those list of behaviors, lying, stealing, cussing, all that stuff that you try to run down the list going, how did I do today in the sin department? It's much more, uh, it's much bigger than that. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, you're also talking about you know, stuff that will, uh, it will affect your day-to-day happiness, your day-to-day life. I mean, it seems to me that, you know, People, and I've made this mistake myself, often look at, you know, the Bible talking about some of these things that, you know, don't do this. And you you could easily just say, well, the Bible is just being restrictive. And I think a better approach is to say, if you don't do these things, you will have a much better life. Your relationships will be better. And you know how it is. It, like you talked about, you know, violating a trust. Mm-hmm. I mean— you could blow up a, a family with that. You yeah. could uh, happens you could all destroy. the time, Patrick. It happens all yeah. the time, and then you know you say, "Well, you know, how do we how do we fix this?" It's not easily fixable, uh, and you know, very often fixing some of those things that that got blown up require a large serving of crow that has to be eaten by both parties, served in a fashion not so delectable. Mm-hmm. You know. It's mm-hmm. not easy. And somebody has to make the first move. I, I had two sisters that didn't speak for years. And I I'm, I'm, I don't even recall what it was that finally got one of them to make a move. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were inseparable and then they were insufferable. Uh, and then now they're back to inseparable. Mm-hmm. But it was a number of years. Yeah. Uh, so, Patrick, yeah. there's one other Hebrew word we haven't talked about yet, but it's Avon, A-V-O-N, it's just another word for sin. And mm-hmm. we can translate that as iniquity, which, of course, we know that word. But yes. also, I think Avon is used to describe something that just isn't quite right. It's bent out of shape or or maybe distorted. And 
Uh, some other products are nice. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. we'll, we will twist things and, and use deceit and we will do things that will result in people suffering yeah. and difficult shattered relationships. So again with the shattered relationships. There we go. Once again. Well, if, and yeah, I mean do you find that those are the the things that cause the most misery it seems with people? No question. That yeah. Uh it's I have been blessed with um a somewhat sporadic memory. Uh, when it comes to things like that. So, uh, you know, sometimes I could be chatting with a member of the family and they say, do you remember? And it could be some grievance of some kind. I say, yeah, I absolutely do not. Nice. I don't remember it. Boy, is that nice? What a gift. It is, it is kind of a gift. I tend to remember all these pleasant things. So the family, my siblings, uh, often call me up to say, you know, tell me something good. <laughs> <laughs> tell me something good from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then there are times I could be talking with a sibling and, and, and we'll think, did we really grow up in the same house because we saw the same things differently? I'm not saying that it makes me some sort of Pollyanna. I just right. have never had the ability to hold a grudge. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just because I like the pain to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of What did you call it? A violation of trust. Yeah. Those uh, are Pesha. hard. Pesha. Pesha. Yeah, Pesha. We're going to be speaking in Greek from now on, aren't we? Well, Hebrew. 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 We've got Kata, Pesha, Kata, and Avon. Pesha, Avon. Yeah. And we, we learned that we're, we're not hitting the mark. We're, we're missing the mark. So, you know, in, in the minute we have left, I think we should talk about what the mark is and what the true mark is Jesus Christ. And yes. doing what he wants us to do, loving us. God and loving others the way he wants us to and following him, giving him our full allegiance. It sounds like it's, it, it's built that God, God understands our difficulty with these things and that we're going to make these mistakes. I agree. So is the prescription, I, I hope I'm using that word correctly, more to keep trying, keep, keep trying to improve your aim, keep trying to hit the mark, keep, keep you know, it, it doesn't mean you know, say, well, I've, I've got a couple of mulligans in the old <laughs> quiver back here, yeah. but, but, but that, you know, it's keep trying. It's okay. It's okay. You missed the mark. Keep trying. Yep. Is that, is that kind of the, the idea here? I would certainly think that is it. That's the idea. Keep trying. Yep. See that I can do. I know. As can I. Yeah. 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 All right, Patrick, thanks for yep. uh, the time today. And I will chat with you soon. Thanks. All right. Talk to you next Have time. A great Bye. week. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my guest to get things started. We're going to take a little break, but I also want to remind you, this Lent, you might want to join our Reading the Bible Together uh, plan. It's uh, really a great way to connect with God through His Word, and uh, we're underway, so you can uh, head over to MyFaithRadio.com if you haven't signed up yet and jump aboard. We'll take a break, and then when we come back, the Monday Afternoon Mix is here, and we're going to be talking about John, the one that did the baptizing. That's all next. Thank you. 
time for that Monday afternoon mix. Mix, mix, mix. Mix-a-ramas. We're mixing it up. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B, and I will uh, commence with the mix. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. I I see balloons in here. I I know. Do we know why those are here? Yeah, that's from the Set Apart booth this last weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah. Faith Radio had a booth there. They did. Yes. And they brought the balloons in. And they brought the balloons. And they, yeah, you don't Lovely. want to waste a good balloon. No, you don't. You don't. It's a beautiful arch. It is. This really would be nice. weird if we started, you know, doing Copying the helium them? thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that would. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not. Okay. Maybe next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when it comes to people that other people know in scripture, Christians, non-Christians, most people know Jesus, of course. They know, isn't there a guy named Judas? And I think yeah. a lot of people know John the Baptist. They do. Christians, I think you're right. And non- JB. JB. Christians and non-Christians know about John the Baptist. Why? Because he baptized Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking because he got his head cut off for that standing too. on the gospel, yeah. on truth. Well, he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Mm-hmm. He was not being baptized for repentance of sin. Right. Which made his baptism unique. It did. Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets a dove, you know, at their baptism and God saying, this is the son I'm no, most proud. Mm-hmm. You know? I did see a real cool thing happen. There was a, a neat young man who, um, um, special needs, and uh, when he got baptized, an eagle flew over when we did the out, outdoor baptism. Oh. An eagle flew over. Like, purposely, it was this beautiful thing that was like, and like, everyone was like, wow. It was super cool. That's mm-hmm. really cool. But it wasn't a dove. All right, as we continue our discussion on John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, you know, obviously he's getting a lot of recognition for that activity of baptizing, but he had a very full life apart from being a baptizer. He very much did. I mean, you know, one of the things is that John, um, it's, it's so interesting because there's a number of different people in Scripture that maybe thought they were the bomb bigoty like Caesar Augustus, but like a lot that we know really are the people who are tied to Jesus and like Pontius Pilate. Most people would be like Pontius who, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> why would you right. name your child Pontius? Uh, you know, but you know, John the Baptist actually is this beautiful picture of being a forerunner. I mean, that's actually part of the prophecy about Jesus. And, you know, Mark chapter one, verse four talks about there's a voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. And mm-hmm. you see basically Mark's the first gospel written. So it picks up where Malachi leaves off on the day of restoration and, and how God's going to send this, you know, um, this witness. And you see this throughout prophecy itself. Now, the other neat thing about John is this is that John was a voice in the wilderness in, in a similar way uh, as God met with with um, J.B., John the Baptist, sorry, uh, for some people out there, but that's irrelevant. So with John the Baptizer, uh, God met with Moses, mm-hmm. you know, in Exodus chapter 3, you know, in the wilderness as well and spoke. And so, you know, one of the things is the ways that God uses others to prepare the message that Jesus is going to preach. Mm-hmm. And you see this unique relationship as well with Elizabeth being related to Mary. So in, in essence, being cousins. So even the closeness would come to play later on when John's in prison. 
and sending messengers to Jesus saying, are you the Christ? Like, I was there when you were baptized, but like, are you the Christ because of the difficulties that, that I'm going through? Mm-hmm. Mm. So he was the first prophet called by God since Malachi, some 400 years prior. But he was foretold uh, in Isaiah 700 years prior. That's what I was just looking up, Bill. Oh, I, mean, it, I, it, I was it, looking up Isaiah 43. Okay. I was, because I'm like, I'm pretty sure he was way back yeah. prophesized mm-hmm. about. Do you yeah. want to read that, yeah, Rosie? Read Do you that have it? Rosie. Okay, sure. Let me pull it up. You guys talk amongst yourselves while I get right. it. So I, Rosie's looking up Isaiah 40, verse 3, and she's going to talk about the prophetic... Here it is. Um, do, you want, do you want me to start from verse one or just right at three? Uh, I would go three to five. Three to five. A voice of one calling in the deep desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all of mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, I love that. So. Yeah. Prophetic. Prophetic. Yeah. And that's what Mark opens up with. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the as is written in the in Isaiah the prophet, and the exact same thing that Rosie read. Okay. So when we know it's been prophesied, we know it's going to happen, right? <clears throat> yes. Yes. And that's a certainty. Yeah. But let's look at the parents and figure out how is it going to happen. Yeah, looking Zechariah at Luke, and Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1. They're not young. No. They're not young. They're not young. And, uh, you know, they've been trying, um, and it hasn't been happening. It's His life was really set apart from the very beginning. That God was making known, this is, this is the person I'm choosing to lead and to open a path to my son. Right? God's not just going to pick anybody for that. So let's talk about the amazing birth. I mean, all natural options were done. And the only way something was going to happen is if something happened supernaturally. Not to mention God's going to get all the glory. Mm-hmm. God is getting all the glory on that So mm-hmm. his, his birth was miraculous. It was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like beyond years. And so you're basically seen like on a, not in a different way, but still like Abraham and Sarah. I mean, like they mm-hmm. were beyond years. And here you have um, Elizabeth and her husband beyond years. And you know what makes this kind of sweet, going back to um, that prophetic part, is in the same way in Jeremiah chapter 1, where it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And what you see happen in Jeremiah's life of knowing him, you see happen, and like you said, Bill, in this miraculous way in the life of John as his parents are, they're done. That that ship had, mm-hmm. that naturally that ship had sailed. Mm-hmm. So, And God's no respecter of persons. So I'm thinking of just us in this room. God knew we would be at a table such as this, but everybody driving their car, listening at home, God has a purpose and a plan for our life as well. Mm-hmm. So let's just think of God sends angel Gabriel to announce to Zechariah, who was a Levitical priest, that they were going to have a son. So I love, it says in uh, verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, 
How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. I love what Gabriel says. <laughs> the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. I just love that moment. <laughs> you know, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> do you know where I just came from? Yeah. You know the one I represent? Yeah. 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 I don't think uh, Gabriel needs to worry about being haughty in that regard. I, I, I don't believe so. I, I think he's, he's good with his identity. Mm-hmm. You know, an important thing here for us, too, is that here you have Zechariah, and even just how it happens to be that, you know, we talk about prophecies and the statistical improbability of the ways that all of Jesus's prophecies line up and the timing that it lines up for the Son of God to be born and to die and to be, you know, raised from the dead. But even in this story, it's, it's interesting because it says in verse 8 of Luke 1, now while he, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. I mean, like, it just, I mean, like, God's intentionality, even that verse, like, some are saying, like, big deal, Peter, like, what's that verse? No, literally, of all the priests at that particular time, lining up with the prophecy of Jesus and even John the Baptist some 700 years earlier, you know, it's like that was the day that he would be on duty with his division. And he's chosen by lot to go in. And then Gabriel shows up to say, hey, dude, (laughs) I just want to let you know, this is like a not, um, it's not IV. It's not any sort of fraternity stuff. Like God has showed up and is going to like give you a son. And and his his part to play is so much larger than even what you think. You know, guys, when when Tammy and I when the, when the Lord called Tammy and I to step out in faith with nothing in front of us, kind of doing this again um, from Brooklyn Park, I remember the Lord said, "You know, you're not done having kids," and we weren't pregnant. And like, you know, um, and really just was like, "Lord, are you sure?" Like, you know, when you have five kids, you can rent any vehicle, and you don't have to get a minivan or an SUV because it just fits five. But after wrestling for a while, it finally said, okay, Lord, you know, we'll try. And um, we tried, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. And Tammy walks in and she says, you know what? I don't think God's going to move on this thing that he's laying on our heart until you do the humanly irresponsible thing of quitting your job during a recession and upside down housing economy with a single income with a young family. And so when we made that decision, that was on a Tuesday when finally surrendered and said, okay, God, to trust you. On Tuesday, I talked with my senior pastor on Friday, my wife walks in and says, we're pregnant. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so like, you know, with nothing in front of us, but one of the things that was really neat that I remember someone saying, they said, the child that you have, you know, children are a blessing from the Lord. They are also great sanctifiers, just as marriage and just as being in a relationship with church and people and things like that. But that our children, the purpose that God has for our children And the reason why we talk about child dedication, that you are dedicating this child to the Lord like Hannah did, like Mary and Joseph did with Jesus, is for God's purposes to be done through them. That it's larger than just you wanting to have a child or change Mm -hmm. diapers or have that picture. Like God has a purpose that he wants to use in this child's life. And so like, you know, 
all of the organizing and all of the ordering of steps that Zachariah just happens to be on duty that day for Gabriel to say, like, dude, like, when you're sitting there saying, I'm old, I'm advanced years, Gabriel's like, dude, like, for seven eight years, I've been waiting for this call to come down and tell you, like, I'm Gabriel, too. Like, <laughs> right. really, like, I just want to let you know, like, God's in the mix here. You True know? enough. My goodness. But doesn't God always do his best work in the face of death? Lazarus in the tomb, um, uh, Elizabeth's womb barren, and it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is when he gets all the glory. Yeah, it's, it's when things, you know, when it seems like things are are dead. And, you know, Bill, you hit upon that passage from John 11 where Jesus could have came earlier, mm-hmm. but he waits and they, and you know, they're like, he's like, listen, you know, our friend Lazarus, he's dead guys. Like mm-hmm. he's dead. And you know, we're going, we're going to wait so that God gets the glory. Cause during that time there was this, you know, Jewish belief, like going around that when a person was in the tomb for three days, like, you know, maybe something, but like when they get to Lazarus four days and like the wailing people who have, they're already there and they're crying and you know, Mary comes out and says, Lord, if you would have been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. And then he goes a little bit further, and or Martha comes out. And then he goes to Mary, and Mary says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would, wouldn't have died. Which means, listen, they were having this conversation. Where's Jesus? Where's, and when Lazarus died, they're like, you know what? If God, if Jesus would have showed up and been on time, then none of this would have happened. And mm-hmm. you know, the reality is we feel that at times. Yes, I mean, like we if we want to keep we it one time, if we want to keep it 100% and not be like all Christianese and all pretty, there's times where we feel like, God, what is up with your timing? Mm-hmm. Like where you at? Well, and that's a crazy thing because we look at God from our natural perspective. If God were here in the physical, but the truth is, is we always say God supernatural. Uh-uh, that is his natural. And how do we understand how big our God is if he doesn't step into places that in our physical are impossible, mm-hmm. right? So that's where we get this idea of our awesome God is how he shows himself, the parting of the Red Sea, Hannah, I mean, Elizabeth's womb. There's so many stories, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, there's so many stories where he comes in and he blows away any expect any explanation we can have for what just transpired. Right. And I think the blessing as you're hitting on this, Rosie, is that, you know, God blesses us with difficulties that allow us to have to lean and trust on him because mm-hmm. sometimes in our in our what do we say, familiarity, like we forget that that last breath that you just took in this perfectly constructed environment on this planet that's rotating at two thousand miles an hour, flying at fifty thousand miles through space and just the various pressure and the right makeup of the atmosphere, that that thing we just took for granted, which is truly supernatural and a miracle, like that's just every day. So sometimes we get a little bit lax to forget like literally how amazing God has made us Mm -hmm. so that then we get these opportunities like Elizabeth and Zachariah to be in a place where like, listen, the natural, what we know, what we look around and we observe, God's like, you know what, I'm going to do something. And and like Bill, you said, when it's all said and done, God alone gets the glory. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. After a short break, we're going to come back and tell you what we believe, something we can learn from the life of John the Baptist and how it can apply to our lives today. We'll be right back with more Monday Afternoon Mix.
Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio Prayer Devotional Email. Sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. Afternoon Mix, Monday Afternoon Mix, that is, with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. Our topic today is John the Baptizer, and he had a very passionate life just beyond baptizing. He uh, was fully committed and surrendered to Jesus and his kingdom, and he was often referred to as the lone voice in the wilderness. And he would have this strange diet. We know a little bit about his diet, that it consisted of locusts and wild honey. And I looked up the Greek word for locust, thinking there was a workaround, that there was <laughs> something other than a big bug. But yeah. I couldn't find it. Couldn't find anything? Yeah. And when it said that he ate a diet consisting of locust and honey, was that his main diet or his only diet? Was there's cheese cheeseburgers and pancakes on the weekends? I mean, we don't know for sure. But uh, we, do know. Know, we do know that that was considered the primary diet of a prophet which I think would be tough for profit recruitment, but that's just me. I think I think you're right on that one. No. That one would have been a rock, paper, scissors on that. I think that <laughs> one proves that in itself, that you have to be called by God and he's going to strengthen you. <laughs> yes. To be sustained you, on locusts and honey? I don't think so. You know, it's, um, yeah, that's really something. I mean, like, I remember visiting a, a family friend one time um, whose spouse had, had given us this kind of treat, and what it was was roasted roasted termites or something yeah that sounds good yeah it was yeah. it was interesting and had never last like, time it. you went to that house uh, well, i hope no so. i've been there before again and, and you know i'm adventurous so like i'm willing to try new things and that's one of the things even traveling internationally um you know just to honor people and try it now i haven't been offered sheep's brain um so and i still think that if i'm at any time in you know, Scandinavian countries, if they offer me lutefisk, I've still not had it. Um, but I maybe would bite something to the bullet, not the bullet. I, yeah. So mm. <laughs> so back to that wild locust yeah. and wild honey thing. So yeah. was it actual locust? It's actual it locust. Yeah. 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 There was talk that there were certain pods of a tree that had carob in it. And that the Greek word could refer to that, but nowhere does it say that it was that it was these insects, and there's still a delicacy in the in the Orient. So, hmm. um, what about his camel skin? Camel's hair. Yeah, that yeah. that feels scratchy to it me. It does feel scratchy, but does it? Does yeah. it say anything about that? Uh, it does, but you know, it's scratchy. I don't know. Do you wear camel's hair? I don't. Yeah, sorry. I just um, think that would be I'm another like, thing of difficulty for him to have to bear. You know, instead of a soft linen of sorts. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not exactly sure. I know that, you know, when you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 3, you know, one of the things that gets um, pointed out by the angel to Laodicea is Isav, which was known as Phrygian powder, Mm because they were known for that. But they also had this black wool that was the rage of that time. And so Jesus and the angel basically says, hey, guys, you know, your wool, your money, and your clothing, you, like, you think you're the bomb from Lebanon, but, like, you're bankrupt, you're naked, mm-hmm. you're blind, and you need me. So, like, camel, you know, camel hair, um, 
haven't tried it. I know, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if that's part of even the sackcloth thing that sometimes people put on sackcloth as a sign of like true repentance and remorsing. But yeah, it must have been a, an itchy moment. All right, David, Rosie, uh, mm-hmm. listener chimed in with Matthew. Let's see, is it 11? 11. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there is not risen mm-hmm. anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Pastor, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, he goes on to say, um, for from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Um, you know, I think um, I'm looking at the context because remember context is very mm-hmm. important is, king. is when you're looking at yeah. things. And so, um, and this, this is the part where John sends messengers, uh, when he's in prison and he hears about the deeds of Jesus and his disciples said, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them and go and tell John what you hear and see the blind receive their sight. The lame walk lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. And he says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? So that must mean like camels wasn't. Uh, Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say, among those born of women, there is arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so, like, you know, John is the one who got to proclaim Jesus. Like, Rosie, you were saying earlier, like, he's the one who actually got to be there and baptize Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know. But in the kingdom of heaven, even the greatest person in our mind on earth is least of those, you know. And it's like there's this flip that there's this kingdom flip that is, you know, like those who want to be first shall be last Mm -hmm. and those who are greatest will be least. And so like God's ethic and God's way of looking at things, and we have to be mindful of this sometimes because we get saturated in our culture of bigger, better, higher, all those things, that that's truly what matters most. Um that that's not always how God sees things. Because when you look at John the Baptist's ministry, not a lot of pastors today in seminary would sign up for that particular course. But Jesus is saying, like, dude's the greatest. When you look at Jeremiah's ministry, a lot of people be like, wow, weeping prophet. Yeah, he, nope. Like, that's a great prophet. And, like, for people at that time watching the Roman news channel, they would say Caesar Augustus is the bomb, not some little... Palestinian man, you know, born on the sketchy part of town in Bethlehem. And so it's a good reminder sometimes for us to not get colluded or to get seduced by um, power, because this would be one of the things that is a standout for John's life is that John's actually in prison because he speaks out against Herod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And because Herod had ma- married his brother's um, wife. And so the importance of speaking truth to power is huge. And not just speaking truth 
to what you perceive to be your opponent as them being in power, but it's speaking truth to power regardless of who it is Mm -hmm. and not to get lulled into this thing. Like we can't, we can't speak truth to people unless they are seemingly our opponents are on the other side. Mm, Yeah. He called them a brood of vipers Yeah, and told them not to, not to um, rely on their Jewish heritage for salvation. Yeah. Mm. So he would, he would speak to, to people in power and address leaders regardless of the fear of punishment. So I think what I want to leave you with today is John's faith made him fearless. It and made him fearless. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to be fearless. And the thing then in Luke 4 when it says, in the days of Herod the king, okay? Herod was a bad dude, and we can get into this a little bit later. But it doesn't matter whether it's Herod, Nebuchadnezzar, Nero. It does not matter who it is. As Bill, as you are saying, our call to live fearless because what can man do? Take our life. What has Jesus done? Rose from the dead and given us eternal life. You ain't got nothing mm-hmm. that can trump what Jesus has done in the life of the believer. Mm-hmm. So we can live fearlessly. All right. Thank you so much, David Miles, Rosie B. Mm-hmm. That was great. We're going to maybe talk about this a little bit more. There's a lot more to learn about John the Baptizer. So maybe we'll pick this up some more next week. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Professor and philosopher Ken Samples is going to join me. We're going to talk about Stretching your mind. That's all next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.